This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Today we're going to have Whit Merrifield on, two-hit Whit from the Kansas City Royals. Billy Bean, not our Billy Bean, but the other Billy Bean, VP and special assistant to the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and Keenan Long from Long Ball Labs. Now this is the lab that helped Jed Lowry pick out his new bats fascinating what they're doing. Bergen, we're going to start with the all-star Whit Merrifield right here on A's Unfiltered. Hey, it's great to have you on the program once again. How is life treating you? Uh, life's good. Enjoying sunny California. You know, the, the last time we had you on, we were down on the field, and it kind of sucks that we're, we're not able to see guys anymore. But, of course, you know, everybody that comes on our program, we call friend of the program, and, and we follow you. And I got to tell you, like the last 13 games, you're red hot. Tell me how things are rolling for you in the Royals. Uh, yeah, I mean, things are falling for me uh, lately. Last night, not, not so much. But, um, you know, it's just a, the game of ups and downs, and you just got to – Got to stay consistent and you know try to try to put together the best uh, group of a batch you can each and every day. And if you do that, you know at the end of the season numbers will be what they are. So we had your old skipper Ned Yost on before the start of this series, and we talked about you, and he talked about just how proud he was of you as a player and the player that you've become. And he said he was so glad he was wrong. He thought you'd be a guy that could, would be competitive. He didn't realize you would be this good, and he's happy that he was so wrong. Talk, talk about your relationship with your old skipper. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he was wrong, too. I wish he was, you know, been right, I guess, more early on. And, and I guess, or I guess I should say I wish he would have been wrong more early on in, in my career um you know instead of being in the minor leagues for so long but you know everyone's got their own journey and um it was you know mine was destined to be when when it was so uh Ned was great I enjoyed it when he was here and uh we had a great relationship and I know he's enjoying retirement life yeah when we talked to him he was just getting off the tractor in Georgia Yeah, life has dramatically changed. You know, in 2019, when we had the interview with you, you were chasing 200 hits. Now, you've led the league in hits in 18 and 19, and we knew that would be a big mark for you and thought that, you know, we could see 200 hits for many years to come and obviously 2020, only 60 games. But what did that mean in 2019 to finally get over that mark of 200 hits? It was great. It was a milestone that I, you know, always wanted to accomplish, and uh, was very fortunate that I was healthy long enough to get to 200 hits. 
and it's something that I'll, I'll always be able to hang my hat on and have and, you know, hope to do it again and um, hope to, like you said, do it again for uh, many more years. You know, it's an interesting year so far for your Kansas City Royals. It's that dance around 500. You know, we, we've seen this for for years with teams where you might get a little bit over 500 and then you fall back a little bit under, and you're chasing that. What has that been like so far in the first 60-plus games? We've been, we've been a streaky team. We've, we've had some uh, pretty good stretches where we've won a lot of games, and then we've had some not-so-good stretches where we've lost. Uh, you know, we lost 11 games in a row at one time. Uh, we just snapped a five-game losing streak last night. So we got to find a way to be a little more consistent. But we got a really good team. We got a lot of talent, and it's just a matter of us putting it together um, a little, a little bit more consistently. And I think we'll be, we'll be just fine. Well, one thing that's really been a strength for you guys is talk about your bullpen. Yeah, bullpen's been great. They've been, they've been lights out for us, and. Um, a lot of a lot of young guys with a couple older guys like like Holland and, and, and Wade that um, are trying to find roles, trying to figure out you know who's who's going to emerge as, as as that closer, as that you know that eighth and a setup guy, and um, it, it's I'm sure it's a hard decision for our management because everyone's pitching so well, so it's um, a good problem to have, and they've done a, a great job this year, and look forward to. Uh, to have success. You know, Salvador Perez, once again, is having an outstanding year. You know, hitting 277, 14 bombs, an 809 OPS. Just how great is it to see him back and see him fully healthy again? Yeah, he just brings such a, a huge dynamic to our lineup. He's healthy to have the, the, you know, probably, not even arguably, probably just the best offensive catcher in the league. Um, hitting, hitting third or fourth for us every day is just is huge, and we're glad he's healthy, and we need to need to do our best to keep him healthy. You know, a lot of people have been talking about foreign substances on the baseball and spider tack, and you know whether they're talking sunscreen with rosin. You know, as you've progressed in your career, ha- have you seen a big difference with the pitchers and movement? I mean, pitchers are just they've just gotten. So nasty when it comes to velocity and and uh, break and you know their sliders and curveballs and whatever it's just become so nasty. And I, I don't I don't know how much that stuff plays into it. I'm not a pitcher, so I can't I can't tell you how much tack would would help my ball break. I know there's some science to it, but um, it's almost pitching just almost to the point where it's let's see how nasty we can make our stuff and and not not. Not as much about command and, and hitting spots. It's how much can my slider break? How hard can I throw it? And yeah, that's a. It's nice for you know social media clips and videos and whatnot, and for everyone to see how nasty your stuff is. But you know, we're seeing hit by pitches those all time high. I mean, we've had three guys hit in the head in the last week of, of our season, so it's. It's a little bit uh, of a scary place to be, and uh, I'm not sure how we combat that, but it's going to have to be a discussion before too long because um, it's it's getting a little dangerous for hitters. I was talking about you last night in the postgame show about your approach and having a two-strike approach. 
choking up on the bat. We see so many guys go up there with the same swing and strike out after strike out after strike out. Just talk about how when you get two strikes on you, what do you do and what are you thinking about? Uh, I mean, it doesn't change a whole lot. It's, it's, it's my approach from the get-go is to, is to hit the ball hard. And, um, I mean, with two strikes, you know, it's still the same approach. I'm still trying to command the zone and, and find a, get a, get a pitch and hit it hard. I'm going to have to, uh, I guess, broaden the pitches I'm looking for with two strikes. But uh, besides that, I mean, I don't, I don't have this drastic, you know, I don't spread out or not, no stride or choke up extra. I, you know, I choke up from the get-go. Um, so that's, that's not any different for me. But, um, you know, it kind of goes along to what I was saying about the pitchers. I mean, hitters are concerned about hitting homers and walking. And that's that's what's getting guys paid. So, you know, why not sell out for that every time? And people don't really care if they strike out or not. So, um that's the nature of this game right now, and if we want to see a change, something's got to happen. When you were preparing for this series, just want to know your thoughts. Uh, I know it's only been one game, but I know you guys prepare for each team. What What are your thoughts on the 2021 Oakland A's? I uh, don't know much about them, but you know, besides you know the guys that have been here for a long time, Olsen and Chapman, and um, you know, we faced Montas last night, so I did my got a report on him but besides that you know i just take it day by day and uh, get ready for for this guy tonight um you know another guy's coming back in from the pen but besides that i really i don't know much about him hey wit we always appreciate the time that you come on when you guys uh come to town and uh we're, we're big fans of your game and good luck to you the rest of the way and good luck uh in that central and hopefully we'll talk sometime soon all right thank you guys well, it's been a long time since I talked to Billy Bean, not the A's Billy Bean, the other Billy Bean who played Major League Baseball for years, now the VP and Special Assistant to the Commissioner of Major League Baseball. It was a fun conversation. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, it's Billy Bean. No, not that Billy Bean, the other Billy Bean. It's great to have you on the program. It's been a long time since we last chatted uh, in San Francisco on our old sports radio station. And uh, you and Billy Bean have crossed paths before. Yes, many times. First of all, Chris, thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, a minute to uh, spend with you. Uh, Billy Bean and I have known each other since, uh, wow, 1987 or 88. Uh, and uh, we're teammates. Uh, on the Toledo Mud Hens when uh, we were both uh, still playing. And not only has he been a great, uh, you know, inspiration to me with all the accomplishments that he's made for us and for himself in the game, but uh, we were great friends then. He's always lent uh, uh, an uh, ear, uh, bouncing ideas off him. And uh, he's a busy guy, um, but his support of my work uh, is very influential across the league, and I have great appreciation for that. Well, you know, you've acquired some fancy titles in baseball since the last <laughs> time we spoke. Yeah, I, I started, uh, you know, I was away from baseball for a very long time and uh, was uh, invited back, uh, and I have some, you know, great, great uh, leadership that I report to at the Office of the Commissioner, and their vision uh, really sort of created a role called an ambassador for inclusion. And there wasn't a big definition for that job at the time. But I think the fact that I'm a former player um, 
that was another window added to the the opportunity. And my I have very strong opinions about um, how not only how much I love baseball and how grateful I am for the opportunity that I uh, had to play six years in the big leagues, but how great I think baseball can be um, in its uh, ability to impact the lives of our fans. And so um, I just kept chattering away in meetings. And I think uh, that allowed me to uh, move a little bit closer towards the commissioner and his senior leadership group. Um, and, you know, I tried to be extremely prepared with uh, my thoughts and ideas. But, you know, I played in the American League, in the National League. I played in Japan. I speak fluent Spanish. I played in winter ball four times. Um, I graduated from a really tough college. Um, I felt like I, you know, played the big leagues and I felt like I had a, a, a seat. If I was given a seat, I had a, 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 an opinion to give. And I felt like whether uh, baseball was ready for that uh, remained to be seen. And I've been thrilled at, you know, what just started out as invitations from like Billy Bean to come talk to his big league club seven years ago um, uh, to annual conversations, to front office conversations. And then um, the success of those um, and my ability to get in front of ownership groups at winter meetings and, uh, and ownership meetings, that tremendous amount of resources now are allocated to off-field development and education programming. And we're able to put all kinds of topics in front of players that we feel are impactful and help them uh, become well-rounded citizens away from the field. Um, and they match, in my opinion, the amazing resources that we provide to them on the field. And, uh, and you put all that together and you got a really great mix, especially when the players, um, you know, we have to be patient. They get to the big leagues very, very young and to have, uh, you know, they need a, a minute to catch up to the world. When they arrive there, they got a job to do. It's very, very hard and stressful. But for those players that settle in are and just amazingly successful, um, I just so filled with gratitude at the, the, the amount of players that are willing to be great ambassadors for these kinds of conversations. Well, tonight is Pride Night, and we're naming it now after Glenn Burke, the first openly gay Major League Baseball player, Oakland native, A's alum. When you look back, would you do it differently? Would you come out as a player, or do you still feel that you couldn't have done that back when you were playing? Well, it's a tough question because we live in a different world now, right? The generation, the messaging, the, the support. I mean, if I would have seen the amount of support um, that baseball is is consistently putting out there, or if Glenn had, it would have changed his career. You know, it Glenn was so far in front of his time, um, and Glenn was raised in a very, very supportive, uh, tight-knit, close-knit, loving family, and he was not taught to think that his sexual orientation was anything to be concerned about. And so he was wired much differently than me, where he had no reservation if someone was going to confront him in that space um, to stand up for himself. And I admire, and I mean, I wish that I had been, had raised in that situation. I grew up in a much different environment, a military household, the oldest of five boys, very Catholic, conservative. And I, I did not, uh, 
have a, a strong self-esteem uh, where it came to me. Um, but if I had at that time as a player, or if I was still playing and the things I know now, I would, I would love to champion that um, message and conversation because I've been impacted by people who have fought for much more serious things like the HIV medication, acknowledgement at the federal level that the disease even exists, employment equality in the workplace, the ability to fight and defend your country in the military, the ability to marry the person that you love. Um, so off the shoulders and backs of those warriors, I would, I would absolutely step up and, and uh, because I would know that my team would support me. We have incredible, you know, leadership with field managers. Now I talk to all of them and they're just in our, even our players, uh, uh, Mark Kanya just the other day, you know, was quoted saying how, you know, on the Oakland A's, how he would, you know, be the first in line to support a teammate. You know, it's just all about, are you a guy in the clubhouse that's going to go to battle with your with your brothers 162 times a year, you know, uh, post up? And, and, and I think that we have uh, finally eliminated the stereotypes that uh, a gay man can't do that. You know, we've seen enough examples. There weren't any role models for me to fall back upon. And so I just dwelled solely on the things that made me different from my teammates and my family, not the things that we had in common. And, you know, my former teammates have taught me a lot um, as well about, it's just about, you know, you don't get to the big leagues unless you're anything but a baseball player. There's yeah. no time. There's no time. I'm sorry. you got to be really good. So, you know, and the, and the beauty of that is that the guys in the clubhouse all know how hard it is to get there. You can't buy it. It's not a favor, you know, it's, and so I think there, we, we are all evolving in a, in a way that is smarter, uh, more accepting. Um, you know, if you're not good enough, you'll be gone, right? There, it doesn't take long for a player to play his way out of the big leagues. So um, I think that would all take care of itself. And if into, you know, it's a long answer, but to answer your question, if I was who I am now, uh, I, and I was playing in this generation, I wouldn't hesitate, but it is a huge consideration. There's so many factors and your ability to, you know, communicate all the, tr the things that athletes and players have to go through to stay in the big leagues, be healthy. You know, your front office leadership has to, you know, decide if you fit into, you know, the composition in, of the club. You know, these are the things that go through a player's mind. All they, all we did coming up to the minors was see players get eliminated. And, you know, you, like I said, you're baseball first. So you want, and, and, and most of the players in the big leagues now are in their early 20s. And how many of us were fully evolved emotionally in our early 20s? You know, it's, it's a lot to ask to, of, of someone to play world-class level baseball against world-class level players. Um, and so my job and, and the message that I want people to, to hear from me is that we have to continue to work to create a culture where everyone, regardless of your sexual orientation or your, your gender, your gender identity expression, your race, what language you speak, you know, if you're the best and most qualified player to be on the team or a person to work in baseball, then we need to create an environment and continue to cultivate an environment where everyone feels welcome for that opportunity. That's the only way we can be 
the very best we can be. You know, we criticize these millennials for a lot of things, but I think what you said about Mark Canna, and I know especially like the A's clubhouse, there's so much love for each other. You know, a lot of these guys go to these different levels from low A to high A to double A to triple A, then to the big leagues, and they've played with each other for a long time. And with what what, what millennials have seen in society based versus what we saw growing up, I kind of agree with you. I think today's modern-day player, when we talk about social injustice or we talk about racial equality or we talk about people's sexual orientation, I think they're very, they'd be far more forgiving than generations of the past. Yeah, the, the, the negativity and the stereotypes were supported. You know, what, what players of color were subjected to and, 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 you know, white-skinned players just thought, well, that's just the way it is, you know, in the 50s and 60s. We, we cannot stand for those types of historical mistakes. And so, you know, the conversation, it's, um, it's multi-layered. And, you know, I, I don't want it to rest on the shoulders of one player. That's not fair. But if a player is ready, it will be because of what they see uh, tonight in Oakland and, and the messaging in the clubhouse, the education conversations that, that I will be participating in. We, we have um, amazing uh, activations. I'm, I'm speaking to uh, at the MLB uh, first ever draft combine where 200 of the prospects for the draft in July coming into our sport are going to be socialized with education and, and values that baseball uh, wants to uh, share with them. And if they want to be a great big leaguer, you know, they're going to have to make those considerations. You know, every player is going to do what they want. It's not a mandate, but, you know, to try to find a common ground. Um, and when Mark Canna, you know, or somebody who's succeeded in the big leagues um, is able to just, you know, make a comment uh, of support like that, it just uh, it influences the younger players. And they're like, you know what, this is the way it is in Oakland. I like that. You know, and and uh, and it doesn't have anything to do with who and what they are. It's just that when you wear that jersey, what it represents, and you should feel a sense of responsibility because it's a privilege. It's a privilege to play out there, um, and they will know that when they aren't playing out there ever. You know, when their career is over, and I hope everybody. Uh, I wish everybody could play 15 years in the big leagues, but um, it moves quickly. And, um, you know, I'm trying to find that common ground to see where they might relate to it. All right. Brad Pitt didn't play in a movie, but you <laughs> did. Not, play. not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you played in the big leagues. What was your finest moment playing Major League Baseball? Ah, wow. Um, well, I think every, every player's uh, first day in the big leagues is – magical and surreal you know i i was called up to the big uh the big leagues by detroit tigers i tied a major league record i got four knocks in my first game you wow. know sparky anderson was my manager you know we had a tremendous veteran team of lou whitaker and alan trammell kirk gibson you know daryl evans tom brookins you name jack morris you know willie hernandez all these guys uh, uh mike heath former oakland a's was a catcher uh um, and you know, that was a great day. I got to play alongside Tony Gwynn for three years. I, I have to say I hit a, I hit a three run bomb in, uh, the game. He got his 2000th hit. I think he was on first base when I hit my home run. Um, and 
you know, just the moment where it may not have felt like a big deal to others, but, you know, when you grow up and you love baseball and you, you watch the players, you know, those moments where you felt like you're just one of the guys, um, you know, nobody handed that to me and nobody can take it away from me. And those are the, the quiet moments that um, I cherish forever. I really will. Well, it's an honor to have you on the program. Let's do this every year. We should do this every year because the work that you've been doing, because it's been a long, I mean, I think it was like 2011, 2012, somewhere around in there last time I talked to you. But obviously every year you, got, every year you guys are going to be making progress. So uh, let's make this an annual thing. I will be here. All I need is an invite. And I appreciate it, Chris. You've been a, a great supporter of the messaging. And, and uh, today's a great day in Oakland. I wish the team good luck. And uh, all you got to do is call. I'll be there. And we'll end with Keenan Long, founder of Long Ball Labs. These guys are looking at bats and testing bats because not all bats are the same. And we're finding that out. Some are stronger. Some are better. And some you don't even want to use in a game. Jed Lowry has used this. It's a very fascinating technology. Here is Keenan Long. Keenan, it is great to have you on the program. Ever since Eno wrote that story about you, you're blowing up. And uh, we've had Jed Lowry on the program to talk about what you guys are doing. Explain to our listeners exactly what Long Ball Labs does. Thanks, Chris. Pumped to be here. Not just because you guys are two cool baseball guys, but also because uh, we've been pretty much in the dark on this, on this project for a long time. And Eno, like you said, blew it wide open. Um, I would say it all comes down to, for long ball labs, the sheer fact that no two baseball bats are the same. Now, baseball teams and baseball players work on the idea of finding a discrepancy in the game and then exploiting it to their advantage. This is the discrepancy. No two baseball bats are the same. And what long ball labs has done is we figured out how to quantify that discrepancy and then weaponize it for the advantage of the player. And uh, that's what we've done for, as you read in the article uh, by Eno Sars, that's what we've done for, for Jed Lowry. And we've been pumped to be a part of his uh, meteoric, what, third? Third A's? Correct. Comeback? Yeah. What a story. And the fact the guy didn't play for two years and he's back and he looks like he never left. Uh, it, it's been one of the great stories in baseball this year. But this fascinates me, right? And after your article, and I knew we were going to reach out to you, we've been talking about you. And by the way, hopefully we'll promote you and get some new business for you. Um, but the, the, the thing that gets me, and I've asked our general manager, I've asked Bob Melvin, I've asked players, I've asked writers, how is it possible we've had a sport that's been around for so long, we don't regulate the equipment, Hell, we don't know what ball we're using. Now you're telling me we don't know what bat we're using. I, I, I mean, seriously, every other league, you know, whether you're deflating the balls or not, every football's made the same. Every basketball, like when the Golden State Warriors play at home or they go to Houston, they're playing with the same ball. I mean, our, our equipment right. is not regulated. Isn't that? I mean, you're exploiting that, which is great, but isn't that weird? It's very weird, and there's so much talk about the ball and the variability in the ball, and um, that's out of our control as players. But the bat, that's something we can control, and that's something that we've learned from all the data we've taken on hundreds and hundreds of uh, professional uh, wood baseball bats that that's something that we should control for and that there's, uh, there's performance advantage to be gained. And the truth is the advantage that's being gained here is – it's already in Jed Lowry. He already has it. He's already creating the torque. He's already creating the momentum into the ball. 
It's just the way I like to think of it is he's being robbed of performance by his bat if he's not looking into um, the variations in the bat and trying to find which bat has the best exit velocity potential for him and for his swing and for that day. So I don't know if this is true or not, and I think you're going to be the person that can give me the answer, but back in the day, big leaguers talked about the best wood would have the widest grain. Like they wanted the widest grain possible, and the wood was terrible if all the grains were right next to each other. Is that something that they have no idea what they're talking about, and now what you're doing, you're finding out that was wrong, or is that still right? It's not wrong if it helps the player. If it gives them a mental edge, it's, it's never wrong. We're, we're always on the side of players. Um, as far as the grain is concerned, I'm glad you bring that up because what has happened in the past with baseball bats, specifically with wood baseball bats, is the marketing has conflated two things that are very different. They've conflated performance, which is how the bat performs, how it springs the ball off the bat, and they've conflated it with durability. So bats of varying grain structure might be different in terms of durability, how many games you can use that bat, but it really has nothing to do with the performance, uh, the coefficient of restitution of that bat itself. Yeah, and, so, and there's so many different bat companies right now. Um, when you look at it, and, and so are you x-raying these bats? What exactly do you do? <laughs> we're not x-raying the bats. We're taking a bunch of uh, measurements on the physical properties of the bats using proprietary uh, systems and devices that are here in the lab in Chicago. Uh, we have another lab in Arizona, and then we have a third, uh, I guess you would call it like a roving lab, like it's, it's mobile so it can move around uh, and take measurements where they need to be taken. And it all comes down to the fact that, uh, as Eno, Eno put it so perfectly, no two trees are the same. So if no two trees are the same, no two bats are going to be the same. And I thought in getting with players during this, this, uh, the pandemic when everyone was inside, getting on screen with these players, I thought I would have to sort of argue with them about the bats being different. But to a man, every single guy we talked to said, you know what? Yeah, the bats are not the same. And I do have to figure out on my own which one to swing and which one to not swing in the games. And they all have their own methods that are of varying curiosities and effectiveness. Uh, but when it comes down to it, you can't optimize all the way on your own. You need, you need to have laboratory equipment to figure out what is the best for you um, as a hitter. Hey, does your data say which wood is the best consistently? My data does not. I have data on, the, on maple, on ash, on birch. Uh, but the prevailing research in this field which is not research that I've done, but research that I'm very familiar with, has shown no significant difference in the coefficient of restitution between maple, ash, and birch. So again, this goes back to if you're a bat maker or you're a bat brand, you can't always market performance, but what you can market is durability. And that's what we've seen with the grains, the different finishes. They've done a lot of amazing things with finishes on these bats. I don't know if you guys are Yes. Close enough to get close and personal with the bats, but they're not the same as, as they were even during my time, which was only a few years ago. So check this out. Our pitching, our pitching coach, Scott Emerson, who's really, really bright, he goes, stop talking to me about the balls. Talk to me about the bats. He goes, <laughs> <I'm> bats, <laughs> bats don't break like they used to, right? Now when bats break, they come like spears and the barrel, and it's like a spike going through the air, and sometimes we see it stab right into the ground. Why are bats breaking differently now than when, than when they did in the past? Good question. I think some of it has to do with the species being used. 
So in the past, there was a lot of ash bats being used. And then we saw with Barry Bonds and Sam Bat, the maple bat revolution came in. And now guys are swinging birch, which is very similar to maple. And they tend to have brittle fracture, as, uh, which is different. When we saw maple bats break, they kind of flaked and frayed. And then the player would just discard the bat. Uh, but yeah, these bats exploding. I mean, I think a lot of it also has to do with there's more energy in the collision right now. You've got the, the pitch speeds are higher and higher, and then the guys are swinging harder and harder. So it's a recipe for for some for some fireworks. Have you ever t- uh, tested a corked bat? Have not tested a corked bat that I know of, unless there's any brands that have sent me bats that are corked. <laughs> uh, no. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend any ball player out there to cork their back. <laughs> now, what, 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 okay, let's say, let's say I'm going to fantasy camp. When's our fantasy camp? In January, right? All right, I'm going down to Arizona to our fantasy camp. And I go out and I buy 10 bats. And I send them to you, and only one is good. <laughs> well, if you send me those 10 bats, I would be able to tell you that somewhere between 1.5 and 2 miles per hour is the exit velocity variation in those bats, the expected exit velocity variation for, for any hitter swinging those 10 bats. But what we would need to do is work with you in the cage after I measure the bats. I'd have to work with you in the cage to see which of those, where you are at in the range and what is optimal for you. So we're optimizing not just in the, in the lab here without the player. We're also optimizing with the player. Like, for example, we worked with Jed remotely and did all sorts of cage testing with him to zero in on the best bat for him. And then we, we call it the golden zone. And we keep him in that golden zone um, for the whole for the whole season. And I think about long term, you know, if you can do this with metal bats, I mean, more people play with metal bats than wood bats. And parents now with travel ball, they have no problem spending big money for an Easton or whatever company. And you think about all the kids in college, all the kids in high school and below using metal bats. Can this technology, are all metal bats the same? Or are you telling me, no, they're not even all the same? I think, I think you can say blanketly, every, every place there's a variation, there's a chance for improving performance. There's a chance for exploiting that variation. And there is a variation. Granted, in a, in a college setting or in a BB course setting, the player's using one bat for the whole season. The professional players are using multiple bats. So we have guys calling us saying, I broke my bat. What, what's next? What's the next one on my list? And Jed was great about it. He actually made – he was like his own little field manager. He made like a, a roster <laughs> of bats. And it was really fun to be on the call with him while he had a – you know, writing out his roster of bats. Uh, but we had a, a time very shortly into the season where we got to see the, the exit velocity boost that we gave Jed uh, come to life, not just for his performance, but we actually think it – it helped the A's win a game. So I want to ask you if you remember uh, playing the, the Diamondbacks in April. It was April 13th. The A's were down by three with two men on. Jed was up with two men on. Any of this ringing a bell? He takes a 1-1 fastball at the bottom of the zone. He hits it to left center. And Peralta, the left fielder, runs back to the wall, jumps, and the ball's caught not by Peralta but by a fan in the first row. Any of this ringing any bells? He had to, uh, they stopped the game and did the review, and then they said it, it indeed was a home yeah, run. Yeah, and, and that, it was to left field, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, like I left, left that. center. And, We've and had a lot of games just, since then, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you've had a lot of games, and, uh, and, and yeah. So in that particular instance, uh, the folks at Longball Labs were jumping up and down like it was the Game 7 of the World Series because – here we are giving uh, Jed Lowry uh, or finding for him 1.8 miles per hour of exit velocity. 
And he hits a ball into the first row, a home run by the slimmest of margins. Now, one mile per hour is, they say, approximately five to six feet. So if we're at about two feet or so, or excuse me, two miles per hour, so that's that's about 10 feet of distance, batted ball distance. So that means that if he was swinging not the best bat in his bag, that that ball would have been pretty easily caught by Peralta. So we're already seeing in our in our first year, our first season working with players that we're affecting not only the outcomes of the bats for players, but potentially the outcomes of, of games. And the A's ended up winning. I think his three-run homer tied the game. And then I think there was another homer after. I forget who hit it. Well, well I, I can tell you this. I mean, I'm all into this, and, and I'll tell you why. Because in other sports, I take golf. So during COVID, and we had that break, I got back in and I realized I was playing almost every day that my clubs were like 10 years. I had like 10 year, they were like Mizunos that were like 10 years old. I'm like, the technology has improved. So uh, we're at my course that I play here in San Jose. You know, they have the Titleist, like a Titleist Performance Center. So I went there and they put you on track, man. And you start hitting irons. Then you start hitting rescue and three wood and driver and wedges and they find what best fits your body and your swing. And they've been doing this in golf for how long? So a why long time. Oh. Golf is far, far and away ahead of baseball. And when I first started as a bat engineer um, at Easton, I spent six years there in the R&D lab. And the very first day, that's what they taught me. They said golf is five to ten years ahead of us. Oh, my um, God. My brother, my brother was talking about. My brother's a teaching pro, and he, he played a little bit on some mini tours. But down in San Diego, where Titleist is at Carlsbad, and my brother's like, God, like the late 80s we were using TrackMan because it's different. They're, they're trying to sell clubs and balls. That's right. their business. This, but, I mean, if I, was a, like, if I was a pro baseball player, I'd be sending you all my bats. I mean, why wouldn't I want to awesome. know what my best bat – I mean, I hope Jed's telling me – all A's should be sending you their bats, for God's sake. Well, Jed's been great. He even, he even wore our shirt in the dugout. So that's when I knew it was okay to tell folks that I was working with Jed. Um, he has been just a fantastic uh, partner in all of this. And, yeah, we're ready to, we're ready to measure bats. We, we got two labs and a roving lab. We're scaled up and ready to go. Bring on the bats. Well, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I don't know if we can help you, but I just think, like, you got a place down in Arizona where half the teams are training – you know, yeah. these guys are getting all new bats when they get to spring training. It's like, boys, bring the bats over. Let's see for spring training and heading into the season. Because your bets bat, I, 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 I would think your best bats, like bat one, two, and three, I'm not even pulling out in spring training. I'm saving those for the start of the season. I mean, you guys could post up in Arizona and just kill it. Yeah. We, had, we actually had one of our clients uh, do exactly what you were saying. He, we had figured out what his best bat was uh, at the beginning of the offseason. And he's instead of letting the teams order his bats when they, like you said, they show up at spring training, he said, screw this. This is too important. He ordered his own bats. He paid for his own bats, a bunch of them, several shipments. We got him all locked and loaded for the season. And he had his one, two and three bats ready. And he did not. Yeah. No need to use them in spring training. You got to be so bummed when you break number one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my best bat. Well, actually, guys tell me that they've already had experiences like that where they are bummed when they break the gamer that's the, their, their, their pride and joy, and then they have to go to the, you know, go to the box and find another one, and they're, it's never the same. It never feels the same. But now, they're armed with this data and with this information, you can find the one that is as closest to that as possible. 
I, I, I'm fascinated by this, and we we got to do this again. And I want to help you out because I think it's uh, it's very your your equipment. I mean, this is this is how you make your living. Why wouldn't you want to have have the absolute best? And and uh, it's fascinating. Uh, how about let's end on this? Is there okay? Let's say I got my A bat and I've been using it for a while. Is there ever a time where you're like, yeah, you got to switch it up? You've used it so much. I would say only if that is an ash bat and it's fraying. But these guys don't really use ash bats very much. It's mostly birch and maple. You've got a closed grain structure, and you've got that lacquer that you've seen, that that finish on there. The bat's essentially completely encased. If your gamer is still good to go, keep using it. That's what I would recommend to players. If it's if it's been measured through our lab and we know it's the best one for you, keep keep going. Tell us how people can get a hold of you. Uh, we are – my name is Keenan Long, and uh, we're on Twitter, LongBallLabs1. Uh, reach out to us through that. We've had a lot of players reach out that way, so we'll we'll just keep it at that. Great stuff. We appreciate it. Let's talk soon. Yes, thanks a lot. Good luck tonight. Have a good one. It's been great. We want to thank Whit Merrifield, Billy Bean, and Keenan Long for joining us on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.